This week on Hyperspace Broadcast, we grapple with the concept of spaceships with arms, because we're watching Outlaw Star. everyone, and welcome once again to Hyperspace Broadcast, a show where two real friends dig through Toonami's back catalog and try to determine what, if anything, is worth revisiting. I'm Michael Doak. I'm Peter Eby. And this week we are beginning our coverage of Outlaw Star with episodes 1 through 13. So, did you ever watch Outlaw Star when it was actually oh, on yeah. Toonami? Yeah, I, I don't remember if I watched, like, all of it, but... I thought when I, I remember thinking it was cool as a kid and watching like a lot of it. And it's one of those shows where like rewatching it, I'm seeing like the kind of shit I used to draw on the margins of my school notebooks. Like, <laughs> yeah, of course. Like of this course. definitely inspired some of that. You know, it's funny because this is one of the many shows that I don't actually remember ever watching an episode, but I remember mm-hmm. the, the teasers very, very well. And who could forget that every promo they do on Toonami is just so badass. <laughs> like they make, they could probably I thought make for a minute there. You were going to stop it bad. And I was like, Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... what? They could, I, I haven't seen the promo for like card captors or woolen warriors or something like the really shitty shows, but I wouldn't doubt <laughs> that they can make those shows look fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, probably. Yeah. But you know, it's funny because I'm, I'm just realizing now, like I think part of the reason that shows like this so often were on my radar, but I didn't, watch them is because i got home like after the tsunami block had technically started like my bus ride was kind of long so maybe i just constantly missed this stuff because i was on the bus or i don't know maybe i just forgot and didn't bother catching up with it Right, because I had a bus trip, and then I'd get home, and I began to, like, schedule. I'd, like, I'm going to do my homework right when I get home and be done in time for DBZ and then just fucking coast the rest of the day. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's like that. I planned my life around Toonami. Yeah, you see, for uh, me, it was very much, like, get home, immediately turn on the TV, and Toonami is happening. Like, it it was this weird ritual of, like, running home from the bus stop. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe you'll, it up. maybe you'll catch you'll catch like the first fifteen minutes or the last fifteen minutes of Beast Wars or something. Yeah, right. Be confused right, right. by an ending of an episode. <laughs> I think everyone dies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely in heaven. There's flowers. You know, everything's fine. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So Outlaw Star. Um, it was a 1998 anime directed by Mitsuru Hongo. Uh, it's based on the 1996 manga written by Takehiko Ito, uh, which itself was a spinoff of Ito's earlier manga, Future Retro Hero Story. Apparently, Ito also designed the original Unicron toy, which is just weird to know. (laughs) It's like one of those bits of trivia that it's like, this means nothing, but hey, Unicron, that's kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, It was broadcast on Toonami in 2001, uh, heavily edited, of course. The show is pretty vulgar. It has a lot of like sexuality and stuff that they wouldn't have shown at the time. 
Uh, also, there's an episode, episode 23, titled Hot Springs Planet Tenray, which was just <laughs> removed from the series entirely for reasons yeah. that you can probably deduce. Oh, yeah, dude. Imagine a whole episode dedicated to bullshit fan service yeah well to uh to quote sean akins who was executive producer of the second season of big o and produced the versions of tenshi that aired on toonami quote okay so this guy knows this shit exactly <laughs> about editing shit for toonami yeah quote this episode does nothing to further the story and is nothing more than an excuse to get the characters naked end quote awesome. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> there's Anime. there's nothing there <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't know. We haven't decided if we're going to watch that yet. I guess we'll see what happens. Oh, we're, oh no, 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 no. We're watching that episode. Oh, God, I don't even know if I want to. But it, it is interesting to note that uh, Outlaw Star eventually aired on Adult Swim Toonami in 2017. And Hot Springs Planet Tenray made the cut this time with some very, very minor editing. Uh, right, To right. remove nipples, if I remember Re correctly. Remove a nip slip, yeah. I don't think it's a slip so much as just really <laughs> in your face. Uh, so that's Outlaw Star. To move into the synopsis. <laughs> that, that that was not a description of Outlaw Star at all. It <laughs> was just a description that it was censored because it had stints. <laughs> I mean, I, I was more referring to the background information oh, yeah. being done. <laughs> fair, uh, fair. So move, moving <laughs> into on. the moving into the synopsis. Uh, the universe of Outlaw Star, which is known as the Towards Stars universe, uh, there are three major powers. The Space Forces, who are pretty much what you'd expect. They're like space cops. We haven't really seen any of them yet in the show. <laughs> right, we uh, think. The, yeah, the, the Pirates, who, again, are pretty much what you'd expect. They're space pirates. They have their territories and stuff. And then there are Outlaws, who are just kind of space cowboys privateers uh real han solo types basically yeah they just kind of live live by their own freedom they don't they're not part of a gang of pirates they don't and they're not uh part of the space force they just kind of do their own shit right so our main character is gene starwind who is a 20 year old dreamer and basically a man child who lives on the <laughs> yeah. edge of debt uh, he is basically taking various bodyguard and bounty hunting jobs, kind of a jack of all trades, and living on the planet Sentinel-3 with his business partner, who is an 11-year-old boy named Jim Hawking. And Jim is yeah. much more practical and down-to-earth, and also has, as you put it, serious tails, uh, or it, should I say, excuse me, Miles Tails Prower energy. Yes, he does. <laughs> Yeah, he, because like he's like the more serious one, and he's like seems like he's smarter than Gene, and he just kind of looks like Tails and sounds like Tails sometimes yeah, in the right, way he right. like it's... complains. Except he's like a bit more of a whiner. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's they got a Sonic and Tails thing going. on. Yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. So, uh, what was your favorite episode of this block, Peter? I think we're coming up on that. Yeah, right here. Uh, it's the first episode. Was my favorite of the block. Um, the I like this episode a lot because it's the introduction of this whole show and this whole world. And spoiler alert, one of the things I like most about this show is its world. And yeah, its less world so, is very interesting. Less so its story and characters. So let, let me let me go through what happens in this episode real quick. Uh, Gene's introduced killing a cyborg who comes in to try and kill him because, you know, he had killed the cyborg's brother and the cyborg. I only bring this up because the cyborg's name is 
Death Rob. It's <laughs> yeah, right. a great name. <laughs> Which they quit immediately make fun of, of course. It's like, yeah, yeah. That's what you call yourself, Death Rob. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's badass. Gene then immediately um, grabs a waitress's ass and <laughs> goes and fucks a prostitute just so we know that gene gene fucks okay this is a yeah, main gene, character who absolutely fucks i'm sure all of that was edited out of the tommy airing almost but certainly yes gene is a, a real fuck boy so gene and jim run this like basically like odd jobs business where they do like repairs and like any other kind of odd jobs to make money uh called uh what starwin and hawking enterprises yeah that's it they they get hired by this woman named Rachel Sweet as uh, to be bodyguards for her. And she's like this blonde woman with like kid vid glasses. Uh, uh, I don't remember <laughs> the kid vid glasses. They, to be yeah, honest. absolutely. Go back and watch. Um, <laughs> or like Terminator glasses, really. Yeah, she might wear them for a period of time. It's not like it's she a does. constant. So constant they're attacked anyway. by this these like pirate foot soldiers, and these guys are ridiculous looking, like weird lanky cyborg dudes with claws They're like cyborg ninjas kind of uh these like blue robotic dudes and they just attack out of nowhere and gene and jim and and uh rachel sweet this this woman who hired them have to flee you know they, they're pursued by these pirates and attack more and more rachel eventually reveals herself to be Hot Ice Hilda, the uh, famous outlaw who uh, is hated by pirates and is being chased because she has some secret cargo she's going to find. And she kind of presses Gene and Jim into f- helping her find it. Uh, they also have to fight off like a... Uh, they, they introduce these three pirates, okay? And these pirates are not what you think of when you think of pirates. These guys, these pirates are like... They're Tau magicians is how they're, how they're referred to. And they're like basically from this kind of chinese inspired pirate gang kind of like magical and very regal in in their design their ship for example uh, to, to touch on the crazy designs of this show the ship of the of the k pirates is what they're called looks like ornate pottery with like some like technical shit coming out of it and it looks yeah, really like cool and bizarre <laughs> yeah ornate pottery with the thrusters on the bottom basically <laughs> That one of the dudes, the, the, this trio of characters looks ridiculous. They, there's one dude who looks like he's basically Frankenstein, but with a Buster Sword from Final Fantasy VII. There's uh, this like little girl character who is like a powerful Tao magician. Yeah, there's like a creepy little girl wizard, basically, yeah. with like super bulbous eyes at times that just like, like really freakily widen randomly. Um, and then there's this old man who looks like Dr. Robotnik and <laughs> yeah, pretty much is this bald man with a mustache. That's exactly like Robotnik's. It's like yeah, Robotnik but, is uh, moonlighting basically. And they're like, uh, they cast like these absurd spells. The, the Franken ninja guy casts a spell, making his, uh, cyborg ninja underlings bend and contort into a platform for him to ride on that he floats on and chases after Gene. <laughs> and it's right. Just yes. wild. Uh, th- th- this I like this episode a lot because it just makes so many wild decisions and just goes there and it's like yeah magic exists in this world yep this guy is a gun that shoots magic yep uh, yeah yeah it really pots. it really does it really does throw you into the deep end of the universe pretty much immediately without yeah. holding your hand at all it's just like yep there's magic and get used to it and there's also technology and there's also a robot which they find and 
perverts. And so they they open this uh they find this case that Hilda's been searching for. She's basically going to pick it up so she can um get the fuck out of there. And inside the case, it's a naked woman <laughs> just who fits perfectly in this case. The woman of course turns out to be the android Malfina who joins their party. Uh <laughs> I say party right. because <laughs> No, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, it's a crew. They they don't have a ship yet, though. So, yes, we we have our pretty classic archetype of like a kind of naive uh, robot girl who doesn't really understand the world and wants to know why she exists. She's basically data, except with kind of less personality. Um, Right. So they managed to escape the pirates they had for Hilda's ship and basically at this point we learn gene's tragic backstory which is that six years ago uh his dad died in an attack on their spaceship his dad put him in a capsule and shot him out of the ship and then he spent a decent amount of time in space so he's afraid of space despite uh wanting to go into space because that's pretty much what everyone does like he wants to be an outlaw except he also has a deep phobia of space and gets like space sickness and stuff pretty much constantly yeah which they they awkwardly refer to as gene being a space hater i believe (laughs) yeah something like that there's uh they throw around the phrase space cherry when he first launches there's there's a lot of that kind of stuff so gene passes out as they're launching when he comes to they're arriving at a spaceport called blue heaven where hilda knows a bunch of people um, namely the guy who seems to run the place, which is an alien named Swanzo, and he has like an environment suit that really looks like a Kapool from Turn A wow, Gundam. Yeah. Uh just Absolutely pretty much does. exactly. It's like it's like a Kapool with two eyes. And Danny DeVito's voicing it, of course. <laughs> yeah, right. And for for those of you who are not familiar with Turn A Gundam, basically it means it's just a big like what sphere with two little eye holes in it. Uh, and, yeah, you know, and arms and legs arms sticking and legs. out the sides. So Hilda officially hires Gene and Jim to help her steal a spaceship uh, and to find the Galactic Ley Line, which is this thing that no one really totally knows what it is, except that it's some kind of mythic treasure. Uh, as they leave, they're attacked by a bunch of ships which were hired by other mercenaries called the McDougal Brothers. And as they're escaping, they run afoul of this alien ship, uh, captains by a character named Aisha Clan Clan, who is part of the Kataro Kataral Empire, and I can't say Kataro Kataral without remembering Homer Simpson looking at his computer keyboard and phonetically saying what all the keys say. And Control, of course, <laughs> he says as Kantarl. So awesome. I don't know. Every time I hear that goddamn ridiculous alien race name, I just think of Homer Simpson, and I can't take them seriously. Um, and you hear you hear it a lot too, because Aisha has kind of a, a Worf from Star Trek thing going on, where she doesn't shut the fuck up about being a Klingon or <laughs> yeah, that's a Kataro. <laughs> that's true. Everyone says Kataro Kataro a lot in this show. Like it would make yeah. a good drinking game. Just take a sip each time they say Kataro. I guess. And oh God. Yeah, and Aisha is like this kind of high-strung member of this alien species. And the aliens themselves are ridiculous. Like, they they constantly chant and all this stupid stuff. Uh, They're also cat people, basically. Yeah, they're they're like, you know, functionally immortal cat people who can, like, they're extremely powerful in combat and really can't be killed very easily at all. (laughs) 
as far as we've been told, we haven't really and seen it, any of this yet, to be fair. We've at least seen it in terms of, because Aisha is pretty much, at least half the time, a comic relief character, if not all the yeah, time. Yeah, pretty much always. And so she at least has, like, comic relief plot armor, <laughs> where, like, if she gets hit by a bomb, she's just as, like, frazzled, like if Daffy Duck exploded. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, Instead of, pretty like, much. being mortally wounded. Yeah, it just blows her beak off and it spins around her head like a top <laughs> and then comes to rest yeah. behind their head. And they have this look like, oh, I can't believe this just happened. <laughs> uh, so they go and they steal this experimental spaceship, the XGP-15A2, which is developed by both the Space Forces and the Pirates for some reason. And they're attacked by Pirates and the McDougal brothers when they're trying to recover it. Hilda ends up dying so everyone else escapes in the XGP. Uh, they meet the ship's computer, Gilliam 2, who's just, you know, a ship's computer. He's got some personality. He's a little sarcastic. Uh, and they also find out that Malfina is some kind of biological android <laughs> control circuit for the ship, which involves yeah. her getting naked and going into a big tube that then pops up in the middle of the bridge and uh, yeah it's it's pretty yeah. silly honestly of course but whatever of course the ship is piloted by being naked and embarrassed <laughs> very <laughs> right, anime right. <laughs> so they head back to blue heaven swanzo basically agrees to repaint the ship and give it a new ship id uh they christen it the outlaw star and they run into Aisha Clan Clan again, who has been disgraced for not capturing Hilda originally. And so now she's just trying to find information on the Galactic Ley Line. And they stick her with the bill for a huge dinner that they get. And she's basically indentured to the restaurant for this. Um, this brings me to my least favorite episode, oh, yeah. uh, episode six, A Beautiful Assassin. So... <laughs> They have the XGP, but they don't have supplies. They don't have, like, ammunition. They don't really have anything for it. And they have to go back to Sentinel-3 because Gene and Jim know this merchant named Fred Lau, who is is outrageously gay, basically. He's a gay stereotype. Yeah. He really has a thing for Gene, and it's not handled super great. I mean... No, no, I don't know. Like, the thing is, I it's don't... not atrocious for its time, but it's still pretty just like, oh, come on. Like... I mean, it's mostly in how the other characters react to him. Like, Fred himself yeah. is, for the most part, not, like, gross himself, with one exception, which I'll get to. But I don't know. I, I kind of like Fred, actually, having seen this show now, because he is a gay stereotype, but at the same time, he's, like, very much a business-minded person and it's yeah. made a joke that like yeah sure gene i'll do anything for you because i'm in love with you but also like everything in my case is giving you a 30 percent discount like yeah right. that's as far as i'm willing to go really you still owe me a lot of money like i'm not just gonna let that go because i think yeah. you're hot so they go and meet fred uh and then they find out that fred is being attacked by this assassin named twilight suzuka and she tries to kill him but gene defends fred uh and then gene agrees to be fred's bodyguard and basically it ends up being this fight between gene and suzuka uh which ends with there's no graceful way to say this gene pulling off her clothes and embarrassing her so she can't continue fighting <laughs> right which 
my god which is weird and again kind of gross like he he pulls off basically the sash holding her i don't know dress together she has like kind of a kimono basically yeah yeah um so so he pulls off the sash and then like sniffs it and and makes a comment (laughs) about adding it to his collection which is weird yeah like he really pals it on in that moment dude what the fuck like and and so I don't remember if it was necessarily intentional that that happened, that he pulled off the sash or not. Yeah, Still a no, stupid not way to end the fight. And, and and for fuck's sake, like they this this show actually has a narration in the beginning done by Bo Billingsley, who has an awesome voice. The narration is like sometimes really badass, sometimes just kind of stoned ponderances, <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> yeah, pretty much <laughs> it's just like boys become men. <laughs> men become wolves no but you know if it's only, like it's that kind of thing it it's that like great. men men search for adventure and then you know it's just kind of like philosophical i mean bullshit. and the reason you're bringing this up is because the opening yeah. of this episode explains suzuka in that kind of like stoned trying to explain a movie you really like kind of way <laughs> but also and, in a way that really sells her as a fucking badass like all right, she knows exactly is everyone's everyone's terrified of her like yeah. she's never missed out on a job and then she's defeated in such a stupid manner so it's like and, a demeaning manner where it's like oh oh my god i'm too embarrassed to fight and it's like she's a merciless assassin why would she give a shit about being naked for a millisecond in front right. of nobody but the guy she's about to murder <laughs> instead <laughs> yeah, right. instead nope can't do that yeah, just instead what happens is basically gene talks her into this weird deal and oh God, yeah. I, I, I will say I rewatched this and it actually made a lot more sense on second viewing. Mm. Basically, Gene's point is, I have you at my mercy. I can kill you if I want to, but I don't really want to. And I also don't really want to stay on Sentinel protecting Fred for the rest of my life. So why don't you just come after me instead and we'll call it square? And Suzuka's like, no, I can't because of my contract. And it's basically like, well, that's just pride. Like, that doesn't matter. Right. It it makes sense. It is explained kind of weirdly. But yeah. I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, it's like, come after me instead of Fred. Because you're not going to kill Fred as long as I'm around. And I don't want to stay here forever to defend him. Yeah. She doesn't ever come after Jean, basically, after this point, but whatever. That doesn't matter. Uh, That's the deal they strike. And the reason I don't like this episode very much is, like, I mean, first of all, what what we've already gone over. Suzuka is a really cool character who does almost nothing. The fight scenes are really lame considering what a badass assassin she is. Like yeah. the, the fight scenes are just not well done, especially in comparison to the rest of the show. Cause for the most part, the show has like good action and good animation and stuff. But uh, for example, there's a scene here where uh, Suzuka is going after Jean and then Jim drives up in a car and Jean gets in and they drive away. And then Suzuka like jumps on top of another car to pursue them. And it's like, oh shit, we're going to have like a highway fight where she has a sword and they're blasting at her with their guns. This is going to be awesome. And then that just doesn't happen. Instead, it cuts to the next scene where they're in just some random like DBZ style battle arena where it's just a bunch of pillars of rock everywhere. Yeah, just some random shit. Now they're going to fight here 
And it's like, wow, you set up such a cool action scene and then didn't do it. Thank you. Yeah, this episode sucks. <laughs> it like, yeah, it, it's just generally pretty boring and it's just not that interesting. And uh, frankly, also, like, the, the one thing about Fred Lau that I really hate how they handle it is there's a point where he, he may, he's like, oh, Jim, you'll look really good in three or four years. It's like, come on, like, he's going to be 15. Do we really need to make that connection? That's totally homophobic. Like, fuck off. That's not cool. Right, yeah, kind of making him seem a little pedophilic and that kind yeah, of Yeah, right, yeah. like, that's really gross and yeah. terrible. I, I, I hate that. Other than that, I generally think Fred is kind of okay. I think he's a fun character and yeah, isn't handled like, as badly as he could be. But that is gross. And that's gross. Like, and the way characters react shit. to him with disgust constantly is like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, I would say it's more discomfort than disgust, frankly. Like, yeah. like to some extent, I think that a lot of the a lot of Gene's reactions to Fred seem in the same kind of vein as like. I don't know, like reacting to a girl that they're not into, who's like I constantly mean, hugging them and stuff. In like fairness, Fred's Fred very does, aggressive. Yeah, Fred comes on pretty hard, and like most of the reactions to it seem to be more to that necessarily than like, "Ew, he's gay." But I mean, yeah. it's all mixed together. Obviously, I don't know. I, I I'm not sure how to feel about it, and I someone else can explain this much better than I can, frankly. Um, so for the most part, this episode is just pretty boring. Honestly, the, the fight scenes suck. The way that Suzuka is defeated is very stupid. And stupid, also you have yeah. by far the grossest moment of homophobia in the show. Mm -hmm. And that's not cool. After this, more K pirates arrive on Sentinel. They're trying to find out what happened to their comrades and Hilda, because basically everyone just died and no one has told them what happened. Uh, they poison Gene, they try to destroy the outlaw star with some mechs, which look pretty cool, and Suzuka saves their asses, and then the ship blasts off without clearance, and goes into space and fights some pirate ships in space. And this is probably a good time to bring up one of the unique gimmicks of the show, which is that all of the ships have grappler arms. Uh, basically, <laughs> the idea is that they're used to dock, but in the time since they were designed, they are now used for combat so this is the first time that really happens in a way that's stupid. And th what's funny about this show is these ships have giant arms and then those giant arms will hold like basically a spaceship sized pistol or like yeah. a big knife. And it yeah. just looks totally goofy. It's, like <laughs> it's like it's not so much weird that the ships have arms like that seems reasonable for a ship to have. Yeah, And, it, and it's but, cool. But that, like the action scenes yeah. are cool with the ships grappling with but, each other. <laughs> <laughs> but that the ships have hands on those arms and that those hands pretty much hold human weapons like a gun with a trigger on it. It's like, why wouldn't it? <laughs> it just seems really ludicrous to be holding a gun in space with, and pulling the trigger with your stupid spaceship or yeah, just holding right. like it's an ordinary ass knife. Like it just looks like someone's combat knife, but gigantic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. And to be fair, it's not that much sillier than like a mobile suit or a mech. It's really? True. Except that the scale is bigger and nothing else about the ship is humanoid. Yeah. So you don't have the like, okay, yeah, sure. It's a giant robot fighting with a giant machine gun. Like, it's stupid if you think about it. 
but it, it looks cool and because it's human shaped i can understand what it's going for what, what's really ridiculous is when you have a little spaceship that looks like kind of a submersible and then it has an arm sticking out the bottom that's holding a gigantic minigun that's bigger <laughs> than the ship itself yeah. and then after that gets blown up it pulls out a fucking katana and it's just this little ship flying around with an arm sticking out of it holding a katana trying to slice people up like <laughs> it's so stupid and kind of awesome honestly i kind of like right. it but it's very silly imagine setting up giant arms on like your car <laughs> they hook they can hold human-sized weapons <laughs> yeah, that you can right, like right. hit it's other like, cars with i guess <laughs> yeah it's like if tanks had arms on them to hold yeah. up more guns basically because the ships have plenty of like point defense weapons too so yeah. it's just more guns it's totally silly so from here the outlaw star sets course for an area of space controlled by a different clan of pirates so it makes it harder for the k pirates to be able to chase them as much and so we kind of get, I think we get a couple more, like, slightly relaxed episodes instead of just being constantly pursued. Uh, yeah, the first right, of right. which is by Nadir, episode 09, A Journey of Adventure, which, what a title. Um, a quest of adventure. <laughs> the quest of journeying adventures. Yeah, a trip of a quest. You so... Know. This episode starts off with them in space, and basically Gene's just being a lazy asshole, and Jim is j getting on his case about it. And that's about 60% of the episode is Jim, yes, like, is. Jim and Gene just yelling at each other for the entire fucking episode, because Jim is like, oh my god, we just left our home colony, what are we going to do about Starwin and Hawking Enterprises? How are we going to make money? We have no money. Uh, and he's kind of freaking out. And then Gene is just like, it doesn't matter. Just um, let it happen and things will work out. Uh, you worry too much about the small stuff, dude. And <laughs> and they argue back and forth forever. Yeah, it is. It is like two dogs growling at each other over a chew toy for like 30 minutes, basically. Yeah. That That yeah. is the tone of their interaction. And, and, in and when episode. I say, I mean, that is more than half the episode for sure. Um, yeah. Nothing really happens, and then he Gene gets bored, and he's like, hey, uh, okay, there's this space station we're going to land at because I'm bored, and we maybe we can find work there. And they go. Now, it's, it's also worth pointing out that despite the fact that Jim has been like, we need money. Why aren't we getting a job this whole time? Yeah. As soon as Gene's like, hey, let's land on the space station and see if we can find some work. Jim's like, why are we landing on the space station? It's going to cost too much money to dock here. It's no, like, he's like, no, make up your mind, worse, dude. He's like, he's like, really? You're going to get a job? Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, dude, right. What, why you're complaining about him doing what you wanted him to do. Yeah, it's annoying. Yeah. And they get off and take on a bounty this man named zomba and so they go searching for this guy named zomba it's just gene and jim together they're going out they f <laughs> they f they go to this bar they find this guy named zomba he's like a catholic priest they're like we're gonna fight you now and he's like okay well let me go to my church and you can fight me there and they fight in this decrepit church and here en they engage in some of the worst fight dialogue i have ever heard yeah, yeah. It's, um, let me, it's let bad me anime this. trash talking. Oh, dude, let me let me let me give you a sample of this one. This is uh, some real garbage. <laughs> a crow lands and caws. Zumba says, "That crow you heard is singing a song of death for you." Gene, oh really? I think you're wrong. It sounds to me like he's singing that song for you. Yeah, Zumba. It, it, <laughs> we'll find that out soon enough, won't we? They fight. Gene instantly dodges, stabs him in the back, and pretty much kills him. 
Zumba, it seems to me the crow is singing for me after all. <laughs> And it's like, shut the fuck up about this crow. Yeah, it's not a good line. Back, doesn't he get back up after that though? Because he's yes, like he an does. android, of course. Oh yeah, so don't worry. He gets powerful. back up. He gets back up. Jim contributes to the only thing he does during the fight, which is to just point out things that Gene's too stupid to notice, and goes, yeah, Gene, or, he's still alive." This, or the, or just like you know, give us information about like his weak spot is his brain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For example. <laughs> right. So, and it, to put the nail in the fucking coffin of this bit, he it, Cyborg Zomba gets back up to fight him and goes, I was wrong. Actually, that song was for you. Oh, and attacks yeah, Gene again. They keep going back to this fucking Crowell. This, like, terrible line. And it's like, any anime line where someone says something, like, stupid and shitty and then just goes, actually, what if that was actually gonna happen to you? Was the reply? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's basically like, no so terrible. Is yep. so many of the arguments in this show in particular. Like, this happens a lot in the fight dialogue, and, where and, someone will say something, and then Gene will be like, no, you. He's yeah. like, alright, can we stop this, please? Like, come You're on. bad. How about that? Uh, and of course, this fight already ended instantly once, now ends instantly a second time when Gene just pulls out two guns and blast the shit out of him and then it's just like oh the fight's over and it's like oh i kind of expect him to get up a third time and like maybe there'd be a weird twist or yeah, challenge to be honest no i kind of love that it just ends with gene blowing the shit out of him it's, it's pretty funny to me right it cuts from there pretty much immediately to the police station where they're getting their money they get like two thousand which is substantially less than they thought because it turns out they're just fighting a cyborg duplicate of zomba who is yeah. worth less money Meanwhile, Suzuka was going out doing her own thing, and she just made some money, too. And, oh, God, she killed the real Zomba. Oh, man, how embarrassing, I guess. And they're just, like, upset. And then the episode pretty much ends. They go and notice that a space race is happening next episode, and that and Gene spots a ship that looks like the McDougal Brothers ship, and he's like, we got to enter that space race, I guess. Yeah, right. And well, that's the episode. And it's just like, this... This is a boring fucking episode <laughs> because half of it's whining and the other half is a very shitty fight with terrible dialogue and then it ends. Yeah, pretty much. So they they find out about this space race and basically Gene is looking for information on the McDougals because in the fight against the pirates uh, when they stole the outlaw star, the McDougal brothers actually showed up also and oh, he yeah. recognized their ship as being the ship that killed his father six years ago. So he he is basically out for revenge against the McDougal brothers, but he's trying to gather information first. So yeah. he decides, well, let's join this race because they're in the race. So we'll naturally be able to find out about them through that. So they head to another planet called Hayfon. And find out that there's a huge entry fee for the race and a honestly kind of funny scene. Yeah. Uh, again, they go to Fred Lau for help, who basically says, yeah, sure, I'll fund your stuff, but you have to place in the top three. Otherwise, you're going to owe me for all of it. Uh, also, I want you to wear this embarrassing, super tight costume during the like winter circle celebration thing because yeah. uh, you know, of course. Also, the costumes have his like brand logo on them, so you know it's it's good publicity for Fred. Uh, at a pre-race party, Gene and Jim encounter Aisha again, who's working as a waitress now. And after a brief confrontation, she's dragged off by her manager. 
and then she finds a Kataral Kataral ship that is participating in the race and basically cons her way aboard, claiming that she still has whatever standing she used to in order to get back at Jean finally. So during the race, Jean encounters Harry McDougal, the younger of the two brothers, and learns the name of the McDougal ship, which is the Eldorado. They also meet the designer of the XGP, or the Outlaw Star, which is a kind of mad scientist guy named Gwen Khan. Yeah. Um, Aisha ambushes them, and basically at this point, Aisha's part of the crew, finally. Yeah. Uh, she gets on board the ship. And then she's kind of there with them as they go through the rest of the race. But then they still don't have a complete crew because they just kind of ditched Suzuka by accident. <laughs> well, not by accident. She's like, I don't give a shit about this race, yeah. so I'm just going to hang out. Like, I'll meet up with you guys later. And Which so, is pretty funny because that whole episode, like, she just you just get random shots of her just, like, relaxing, doing other things. <laughs> yeah, like, mostly yeah. gambling. She's like... Yeah. Gambling or yeah, sunbathing this... or bathing <laughs> because this show's way too horny. Yeah, through this whole race, basically, we just get occasional shots of Suzuka. She also bets on the Outlaw Star, of course. So they end up coming in fourth place, which is outside the terms of their agreement, and Suzuka loses the bet. But they do technically still uh, get the money from Fred. They get half of it because they are first in the privateer category. All the first three ships are like corporate ships. So it's pretty impressive to rake that highly, especially as a first timer. Like that's notable. Uh, they get a message from Harry McDougal, who's basically like, I, I'm leaving the race and I'm challenging you to a duel. Meet me at this place. They go to the rendezvous point to meet with Harry McDougal. They get into a battle, and they're being outmaneuvered by the El Dorado. But then, after sending Aisha out to be like an observer, basically, they find out there's actually two El Dorados, one controlled by each brother. Yeah. So and they're like hiding they among the asteroids and then popping out and firing missiles. Yeah. Right. So they're not even being outmaneuvered. They're just being outflanked, basically. Yeah. Uh, so Gene boards Harry McDougal's ship. Harry tries to hack into the Outlaw Star, but is stopped. Gene interrogates Harry and basically finds out nothing. Uh, the McDougals don't know who hired them. Harry doesn't know anything about Gene's dad because Harry is about Gene's age, so he was too young to really have any clue what was going on there. And then the McDougal brothers escape. And the Outlaw Star is left to go back to Hayfon, where Gene and Jim have reestablished their business. And this is the final episode of the block, episode 13. And this is my favorite episode of the block because it is just very silly. Yeah. Basically, the plot of this episode is that everyone is trying to find odd jobs in order to make money. And we have three separate plot lines that come together. The first is that Aisha is going after this monster in the sewer. Uh, the second is that Jim and Malfina are being hired by a Silgrian, which is an alien that's like a bird lizard with a hilarious, like, southern gentleman accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, which really fits the character for some reason. And then Gene's plotline is that he's going on a date with the woman who they paid the entry fee to enter the space race because she's super impressed that they managed to finish third or fourth rather as i said like it's a big deal to finish first in the privateer category so jim and malfina are trying to find a monster and a plant 
and Jean goes to this ice cream shop with the woman where everyone's lined up around the block to buy this ice cream that they know is kind of bad, and they don't understand why, but there is a weird cactus plant in the ice cream store, and it turns out that that weird cactus plant is a mind-controlling alien yeah. who yeah. is trying to escape imprisonment, basically, by the Silgrian, and so like everyone is mind controlled you know everyone all the plot lines come crashing together at some point and everyone's mind controlled and frozen except melfina because she's an android so we have this honestly hilarious scene where melfina's like what do i do in this situation <laughs> and jean's like go kill this cactus so she just awkwardly walks over as the cactus is like no stop i order you to stop and then like stomps it to death yeah for a really long time yeah. like a comically long time uh as the cactus is like no i order you to stop killing me like what <laughs> yeah. are you doing why can't i control you and honestly the reason i like this episode is it's just very goofy yeah it's a lot of goofy fun and like the plot made sense like they yeah they all they all started disparate and then they car came and crashed together at the end it is great yeah, honestly, it reminds me of like a girly, uh, a girly I Richie movie, an early what? guy Richie movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good spoonerism. <laughs> yeah, for example, Snatch. Like it reminds me a lot of Snatch. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Really. So, uh, I like that aspect of it. And honestly, also the thing I like about this episode is just that. I mean, it's very goofy in a way that the show hasn't really been totally. Um, and it's also just one of the first episodes where Melfina has much to do that's not directly related to, like, a space battle. Yeah, like, right. During the space battles, she is in control of the ship to to some degree, but for the most part, especially in the early episodes of this arc, she really just has nothing to do. Yeah. She is literally locked aboard the ship at one point because Fred Lau points out that the pirates are looking for her, so they probably shouldn't have her in public. Like, she doesn't participate on the ground-based adventures all of that much. Yeah. Or all that much. And it's nice to see her do so here. And it's like, I don't know, I, I kind of like this, like, awkwardness and like uncertainty of what am i supposed to do like yeah. this is not my wheelhouse at all <laughs> right it was it's pretty funny and i i like overall that this episode uh this episode shows that episodes that don't follow the main plot can still be good like unlike my nadir <laughs> they don't have yeah, to just right, be right. boring bullshit like you can actually just do fun stuff with them and now Maybe now that we have the full cast, you know, actually happening, we can get some more interesting shit happening on these other episodes. Yeah, right. The the episode ends with Suzuka basically coming to them with another job similar to the ones in the rest of the episode, which I think is a nice, like, funny ending to it, is that she just has another, like, goofy, stupid job, which in this case is... Uh, acting as Wild West gunslingers for, like, some fucking amusement park. Yeah, for a stunt show. Uh, yeah, right. I don't know. It's just a nice little touch that at the end she's like, oh, I also have this dumb plan, even though I was absent from the whole episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have a dumb side adventure myself. Um, so that that's the first half of Outlaw Star. We gotta get to our break. When we get back, we will talk about our thoughts on the show. Uh, we'll talk about a bet, and we will talk about what we're going to be watching next week.
Haven't you seen flowers before? They're artificial. These flowers were made just like me. Outlaw Star will return in a moment. Hey there, everyone. This is Michael. Jumping in during the break. Uh, sorry again for a delay. We have been this has been happening a lot lately, and uh, frankly, we've been taking steps to avoid it. So, hopefully, in the future, it will be less common. But regardless, uh, sorry for the week's delay. Our opening and closing music is, as always, Vapor Dive In, and the music for the bumpers is Monkeys. Both of these tracks are by Anatech, that is A-N-I-T-E-K. You can find more of their music on SoundCloud. Rights were secured through Gemendo. Tune in next week for a discussion of Space Adventure Cobra, the movie. As always, you can submit a topic or show suggestion for our minisodes via DM on Facebook.com slash HBPod, Twitter at HBPod, or you can email us at hyperspacebroadcastpod at gmail.com. If it weren't for that lousy ice cream and that stupid plant, I would have scored for sure. Scored? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just an expression with that big job. You know what I'm saying. And now, back to Outlaw Star. And we are back. Peter, what did you think about the first half of Outlaw Star? You know what? I... I enjoyed watching it um i really love the character and art design of the world the concept of the world where it's like there's magic involved too even though it's like a background thing it's not a major force in the universe there's like just all sorts of bizarre and interesting little sci-fi things they do there's nice little details i like like um when they're in combat, the Outlaw Star will launch camera drones that sends out like tons of little drones that just act as cameras for the ship, which I just think is a really neat idea. I've never seen anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, especially in like a world, you know, before there were drones everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. It's also it's also like the the grappler arm thing, while it's kind of silly. In concept, it's really cool, and the the fights between the ships are handled so differently from how a lot of other shows handle space combat. Yeah, like, right. Like this is a show where you can have close combat with ships, which is just right, right, not a thing in, in something like uh, you know Crest of the Stars or whatever, where you're just launching lasers at a target from far away that you're not even sure if it's actually there. Yeah, right. Or basically any other sci-fi show because these ships are like fairly big yeah. and, you know, they're, they're literally like grappling with each other. I mean, yeah. I don't know, they're grappler arms. It's it's almost like, what was that Dragon Ball Z fighting game that you had like ages ago where you're zooming around and it's a 3D fighting game? It kind of feels like... Ra uh, uh, is that a Raging Blast 2? Uh, is the, yeah, one I, right. the one I had, but... Budokai 3, Tenkaichi, whatever. Uh, yeah, Budokai really Tenkaichi any of those, like, those yeah. old Dragon Ball Z 3D fighting games, like, almost it feels like that. God, we re we will never go an episode without talking about Dragon Ball Z in some no, capacity. No, it's impossible. <laughs> it's just fucking terrible. Uh, so, I don't know, it's just a unique style of space combat that's pretty cool. Even yeah. if sometimes they're using gigantic swords, which is totally stupid. <laughs> You know, in terms of, like, the characters and the plot, like, the plot line is fine. Like, it's interesting. There's the basics of what they're doing and where they're going. I love exploring a new world, which I guess is more backstory stuff, but still. They're on, like, a quest for some kind of nebulous treasure. That's fun. The characters, eh, you know, and the dialogue and stuff in this show is a bit weaker and where the show kind of drops the ball for me. <laughs> like, 
I don't know. Gene is just like, I get he's not supposed to be likable, but he's a bit over the top unlikable. And, you know, Jim is just like kind of annoying and they kind of just devolve into nagging at each other a bunch. Uh, yeah, the, right, the characters, totally. the characters that I do like, like I like Aisha a lot. I think Aisha's really funny and she comes in and like adds a kind of like it, she adds an energy that I want to see in in the show, like in the moments when she's in the cockpit, which you've only seen in like one episode so far. Is like, yeah, right. I she, think it's she's, fun. She she's like kind of she's like very um, full of herself in a certain way and like very kind of a, assertive or aggressive and at times kind of stupid. And it's really funny how that works because she like gets along with Gene because of it. And it's like it adds a, like a new dynamic to the show that I really like. And I'm excited to see how that all works with like Suzuka being in the ship as well. Yeah, you see, uh, to be honest, I mostly agree with a lot of stuff that you're saying about this. Like, I, I I think this show is fine. I think its real strengths are its visual design, specifically the mechanical design. Like, everything's just so stylized yeah. in this way that's really neat. Like, it kind of reminds me of the space. Like, their spaceships in particular really reminds me of, like, Tenchi Universe or Tenchi in Tokyo spaceship which, designs. Which I would, I'll say, they remind you of that only, if only because these are ship designs that you've never seen anywhere else. And it's, like, the only other show that I've, I can think of that went this wild with spaceship designs is Tenchi. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a fair, a fair. But point. I, I think they both do their own thing, and it's like it, it's really neat, right? And it's worth noting that the mechanical designer is a Shoji Kawamori, who's very well known in that he designed the variable fighters for Macross, Jeez. as well as Optimus Prime, incidentally, uh, and also the GPO one and GPO two from Gundam 0083, which is kind of a that's neat awesome. little bit of trivia, yeah. Um. It's like just the the visual style in general is really cool. It's like it's like Star Wars with more of a sort of East Asia feel to it, which is cool. And yeah. I like the integration of magic into the world a lot, too. Like it's kind of a background thing. Gene has a gun called a caster, which is basically a gun that shoots magic spells uh, that are stored in these little like shells. That's such a cool concept. Sadly, he doesn't use it that much because the shells are expensive. And one of the other things about the show that I like a lot more in theory than in mm -hmm. practice is that, like, th there are actually consequences to what they're doing. Like, they don't just get to go have space adventures without paying for everything. They're yeah. constantly in debt and they're constantly trying to, like, get enough money to have the next job to get enough money to continue their adventure which is yeah fun in theory although mostly <laughs> it just results in jim nagging Jane. yeah if only the execution wasn't always a child whining <laughs> right right uh, if only the execution was not always tails being like sonic we need to make money <laughs> like, why are you so irresponsible sonic the, the, putting more of outlaw star into sonic like sonic and tails relationship is a very disturbing <laughs> idea it's like like first of all sonic but horny is not good not good no no that's that's not something i want <laughs> to think about but i like, do that's like, like the horny idea Goku. Of... it's like that, that character is never horny for a reason because it's extremely creepy the concept of goku being horny <laughs> yeah, I, I will say I, I like the idea of like casting these characters as Sonic characters. <laughs> like who who else do you think it is? Because yeah. obviously Gene is Gene, Gene is, is uh, Sonic. Tales. 
no, Gene is Sonic. Uh, Jim oh, is Tails. Yes, I get Gene uh, and Jim mixed up. I, I think Malfina is very cream the rabbit, and that she just kind of is a puff of air <laughs> more than a character. Aisha is big the cat for sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess she is a cat. That's fair. <laughs> I was I was gonna say that I don't know is she Rouge? Are any of them Rouge? Uh, Suzuka. Suzuka's rouge. Yeah, enough. Suzuka's kind of rouge. Rouge is like a spy, so, yeah. you know. Like she's got some cool background. It's just like she's also always like my emeralds, <laughs> which doesn't fit <laughs> Suzuka at all. Look, this yeah, is an important no, discussion I, we're having, right? Like, this, this is... no, I, I I like this. I, yeah, I, uh, let's let's. Uh, we should do this with every show we watch. Uh, yeah, from now who, on. who is <laughs> exactly in Dragon Ball Z? Who are these characters? A Sonic character? Uh, you're gonna have to wait till the next time we cover Dragon Ball Z, dude. Yeah, yeah, I can't <laughs> I, wait. We can't. Uh, give that content away <laughs> yeah right we can't give that away for free uh so and and generally i agree about the character stuff too like aisha adds an element to the show that was sorely missing because mm-hmm. frankly melfina and suzuka are barely in the show yeah even after they're introduced as characters like suzuka doesn't talk to anybody melfina doesn't really talk to anybody neither of them have much conflict with gene or jim that actually gets brought up like they're they're just sort of in the background the whole time which sucks and aisha is very brash and in your face so like she adds an element to the show that's really cool yeah that other people haven't really yet and so i'm curious the, I, to see where i, I it find goes. her antics genuinely pretty funny too so i like it yeah she also lampshades the fact that melfina has to get naked in order to pilot the oh, ship by great. saying that it's stupid and pretty kinky which is <laughs> yeah, funny that's but also good. like all right i mean you can lampshade that but you still fucking did it guys like come on <laughs> yeah yeah this it's not like you, this was out of your control this was your decision uh so uh I, I'm I'm curious to see where the show goes. I'm more on board with it than I was last time I tried to watch it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certainly some silly things about it, but generally it's eh, it's okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited. There's gonna be a lot more like Tao magic shit happening in the future. I'm pretty sure. So I'm excited oh, to see that. Be fun. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that's a little sad about this show is I think the the pirates have such a cool, distinctive visual design, mm-hmm. and they are just like. And also the magic stuff. Yeah. And then they just disappear from the show for like five episodes yeah, they're, in the they're, middle. Well, they're like all Which kind of sucks. I mean, like the, the three yeah, right, you're introduced right. to, who you think are like the big bads of the series, are just all killed on like the fourth episode. <laughs> right, yeah. And then they show up again a little bit later with mechs, but then all those pirates get killed. And then they yeah. leave and they participate in this space race, which is like cool in concept. But I don't know. The McDougal brothers are not visually as interesting as the k pirates are yeah. they don't have magic they're just kind of guys and the so... space race missed some like major uh <laughs> major wacky races opportunities i think like yeah if only here... there was penelope pit stuff uh, look, really i loved wacky racers as a kid it was like one of the weird old barbera shows that i actually just really enjoyed and i think part of what i like about it is just that there's a bunch of weird vehicles and they all do stupid shit and i kind of wish there was right, a bunch yeah. of like other featured weird vehicles yeah, featured spaceships. I mean, uh, to be fair, Aisha at this point's kind of a muttly. Yeah, like, yeah, true. <laughs> catly, basically, yeah. you know. Uh, so, 
I don't know. It's an interesting show. I'm curious to see where it goes, but I'm sort of half sold on it right now. I I think a lot of the character conflict we've been introduced to so far is boring, honestly. Yeah. And I'm hoping that Aisha being more a core part of the cast adds some spice to the mix, basically. Yeah, I think it will. So, yeah, what what one can only hope, frankly. Uh, so do you want to introduce the bet? Because you came up with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I came up with this bet after I noticed. Um, our bet for next week is how many times does Gene grab someone by the collar in the next block? That happens a <laughs> lot in this show. Yeah, Gene loves grabbing people by the collar, he's just, frankly. He gets, he's, a, he's a real pistol, and when he gets pissed off, no collar is safe. <laughs> <laughs> so Very true. <laughs> so um, I, I think, I guess I'll come up with the uh, the first number for this. Yeah, sure. Mm. Go for it. In the entire How many times block. do you think Gene's going to get upset at somebody's collar? Yeah, yeah. How many times? I'm going to throw out four. He's going to grab right. four collars. I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going to go for yeah, six. Why not? Damn. All right. Things things are about to get intense. Gonna, yeah, I have he, to imagine Gene's going to be grabbing people by the collar left and yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually, it's just side characters who didn't want to be there. <laughs> So, yeah, right, he, right. There's a lot of shit that'll get, that could piss him off the next 13 episodes, I'm sure. Things are supposed to ramp up. Yeah, well, one has to assume that yeah. things will ramp up in intensity. And again, like, I don't know, maybe he'll grab uh, Gwen Khan's collar and be like, what do you mean you made the outlaw star? <laughs> or something like that. What do you mean you're senile? Uh, <laughs> there's, there's also, I gotta say, a character that I'm curious about because... The you know the opening credit sequence is honestly pretty good, although it gets old pretty fast because mm-hmm. it's a very intense like high energy anime song. Yeah, um, th- that's fine on first viewing, but when you watch five episodes in a row, it's like Jesus, just shut yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm tired of hearing this. Uh, but it does feature you know a shot of all the villains basically, and you have the McDougal brothers and you have Gwen Khan, but then there's a dude in the background who honestly looks like G1 Megatron. Yeah. Yeah, I want to know who that guy is. I hope it's because Megatron. he looks fucking awesome. <laughs> what if it's Megatron, dude? That would be great. Be I great. mean, we have two Transformers connections with the production staff already. Yeah, really. Like, it's possible. <laughs> no, it's not. What am I talking about? <laughs> it's not possible. It would be at pretty all. cool. And he's voiced by David K. And it's like, <laughs> hey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next week we're going to be watching uh, Space Adventure Cobra for our mini-sode. It is, or, well, specifically Space Adventure Cobra, the movie, uh, which is a 1982 anime film featuring a, like, similarly bad boy, like, you know, kind of jerk with a heart of gold uh, dude as the main character and also he has a gun in his arm awesome. so he's kind of like mega man yeah. except like han solo style is this the uh backdoor pilot for our podcast where we watch every movie with the word the movie in the title uh i don't want to put that on the record <laughs> but quite possibly i i also don't want to do that because there's a lot of the movies i really never want to watch but it is a charming <laughs> yeah, idea god awful yeah uh, so anyway, that, that'll that be next week. And then obviously the week after that, we will be uh, finishing up Outlaw Star. But until then, I'm Michael Doe. And I'm Peter Eby. And be sure to revisit us next week for Space Adventure Cobra, the movie, the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're staying safe and as comfortable as can be uh, during this 
ever-increasing pandemic. Uh, this podcast is in support of Black Lives Matter, and if you check the relevant posts on our website, there are links to charities and lists of charities that you should donate to if you have the means. Uh, none of this money comes to us in any way. We're just trying to spread the word with whatever tiny platform we have. Anyway, if you want more of our content, follow us over at facebook.com slash hbpod and twitter at hbpod, where we post all of our episodes as well as additional content related to what we've been watching. This is a great way to get in contact with us if you're so inclined. Uh, subscribing on whatever podcatcher app you happen to use, but especially Apple Podcasts, is also a surefire way to stay up to date. And while you're there, consider leaving us a review. We appreciate it. It helps us find new listeners, and, uh, you know, it's just nice to hear what people think of the show. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you next week for Space Adventure Cobra, the movie.